Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Sunday, September 13th. Clemson's 2-0, and the NFL season's underway, so life is good. Uh, this is your host, Nick Tully. I'm here with Cody Fowler. Say what's up, Cody. What's up, guys? And um, we're here to recap the App State game and just take a look at where Clemson sits after two weeks of play on this young 2015 season. Uh, just to get right into it, Clemson won yesterday, as everybody knows, 41-10. Uh, to against um, the App State Mountaineers. A bit less of an offensive showing than maybe some of us expected, but from the defensive end, again, greatness. Um, Clemson put up 31 points, actually. We led 31-0 at half um, after a 28-point explosive second quarter. Um, You know, using the magical powers of arithmetic, that meant in the second half, we actually went 10-10 against App State, largely um, with a lot of backup players um, playing on both sides of the ball for us. Um, so Cody, you know, this is our second unranked and lesser opponent that we, that we took care of really without issue, um, taking care of them pretty early as we'll talk about a little bit later. Some of our contemporaries in the rankings weren't quite as lucky, um, to get, take care of their lesser opponents early on. Some of them even, even lost. So, um, you know, just maybe looking back at the app state game, what did you take away? What did you like? Maybe what were some of your low lights from the game? Yeah, a lot of things to like, and at this point, I would say there's more things to like than things not to like. Although there is there is quite a few of both. Um, so my my biggest takeaway, I think, is that the, the the defense is actually ahead of the offense. And going into the season, we thought the actual reverse or the actual opposite was going to be true. Um, starting with with the interior line on the defense, Scott Pagano, Christian Wilkins, uh, Carlos Watkins. Uh, and we, we don't even have DJ Reader at this point, but those guys are so disruptive. And I think that even though we're playing at State, even though we're playing Wofford, I think that can translate into our bigger level opponents, including Louisville, whose interior offensive line is not that great. But just such a, a high point of our defense. That that is that particular position group is is a, a group that we can win a championship with. They're that good. And it, coming into the season, we even thought that our wide receivers were probably our possess our best position group. It could actually be our interior line up to this point. Yeah, and to have that D-line of guys that maybe played very few minutes a year ago, we've even got true freshmen coming in and getting minutes here. Um, I'm not going to say we're as good as we were a year ago, but we're not really seeing that drop-off that some of us expected. I think by the end of the year, maybe we maybe expected this group to gel, um, but it seems like out of the gates, you know, they seem to have at least a level of intensity throughout the game that um, they're really bringing it. So that's great to see. I completely agree. And there was we, me, you and I just read an article on on Tiger Illustrated how Brent Venables has raised the standard, and it, it's something with good coaching. If you watch it across any any sports team and any parts of any part of college athletics, a good coach that has his his team like has them motivated, has has them focused. They will repeat. They don't. You don't see these like crazy one-off like scenarios where they really drop the ball. They don't come out ready to play. With Brent Venables as our defensive coordinator, we've seen the exact same effort, the, the consistency, and now we've lost what nine starters. We're seeing a very similar defense, and, and up to this point, a top fifteen defense in my opinion. 
in, a, in addition to the interior line, Shaq Lawson still looks like an all-conference, maybe all-American. All All-American. On top of him, though, the linebacker core, Ben Boulware, who is who looked great in you know in spot duty against like Oklahoma last year mm-hmm. playing that first half. He's carried that over this year. He's just an animal. He takes great great angles in pursuit. He, he's really really disruptive. BJ Goodson is another really high point for the for the uh, for the defense. Yeah, I, I actually see. I mean, signs of the ultimate ceiling in my mind of a linebacker is what I see out of Clay Matthews in the NFL for the Packers. And he was amazing at USC and kind of a dominant linebacker core there um, with Brian Cushing and I forget the name of the other guy. But um, anyway, yeah, I, you know, if Ben Woolware continues to develop, you know, kind of a poor man's Clay Matthews just with the intensity and that type of effort um, could be a really special player. Yeah, I like that comparison. I like poor man's Clay Matthews and we'll take that. Um, because on the college level, he's he's great. He might not have the the physical attributes on the NFL level. Maybe he will, but mm-hmm. at this point, like we'll, we'll take exactly everything he brings. And then one other one other point that I really liked, and that's the emergence of TJ Green. Our secondary, we knew we had two really good guys in Mackenzie Alexander and J. Ron Curse. TJ Green brings another element, and he's looked great up to this point we'll see how he does when we're facing a more pass-oriented team where he's got to drop back into coverage he's got to read the defense but his physicality his quickness we all we knew he's a he's a burner and his length when you combine him and jaron curse at the safety position two guys that are six three six four with that kind of length and that kind type of physicality it's kind of you know you're a seahawks fan it's kind of like that legion of boom yep not not doom but boom on the college level so yeah definitely you you saw number 15 really coming in there and, and involved in so many different tackles and plays and um, disrupting passes from Lamb against App State. So um, really the sign, I think, of a very active safety is, is good. Um, we will see once we, who knows, maybe a while before we face a really capable passing team. Might be against Georgia Tech before we see that. We'll see what we get out of Louisville this week. This week. But um, yeah, good, good news out of Green. One more bright spot overall in the game. I think we both agree on this. The emergence of Wayne Gallman, I think he really continued from a very strong week one. Um, most, I mean, the most significant play was definitely in the second quarter. We we had a, he, he was basically going in for a touchdown. We had a penalty bring that back, move us back, I think into the 30, 30 yard range, yeah. 30 yard line range. And I think we ran sort of a misdirection, um, kind of an outside um, off tackle counter to the right. He cut back in and just took it straight to the house, blazing speed, and it was came up and trucked a safety right at the goal line and just, you know, stepped right into the end zone. Amazing play, um, you know, just shows his, not only his speed and vision as a runner, but also he's willing to take that hit, um, you know, right there at the point of attack. It's, yeah, he, I've been in the offseason, I was probably Wayne Goldman's biggest doubter. I wanted Tyshawn Dye to step in, overtake him. I'm completely, I've done a complete 180 on him because I knew, I knew he looked, he looked good against uh, South Carolina. He looked okay against Oklahoma. He has improved so much from the point where I thought he was a backup caliber at best. To the he could be an all conference caliber player. You're right, like physicality, the way he trucked that one guy. But you saw it in other parts of, of the game where he would just you know here were the here are the five yards available to you. Like he would take them and he would he would try to make it six yards. Whereas last year he would take, you know he, he would have maybe three yards and try to make it in a ten. Ended up losing a yard or two. So completely like 
really upped his game and that's part of that's just a guy that's doing a lot of studying his vision's gotten so much better he came in high school he played in i think like a triple uh option type offense where it was just a little different so you know something new and he's he's really just in three years i mean you've seen just this upper progression that you don't always see sometimes like you see some senior running backs that don't get to the level that he's already gotten to at a, as a redshirt sophomore now yeah and this is a component of the offense that was we were concerned about having heading into this year was establishing the run. Um, still some question marks with run protection on the offensive line, but we've seen some good things the first couple weeks. And I think as Clemson starts to develop more of our you know, receiver package type plays to take advantage of you know, the athleticism of Artavis Scott, Deion Kane, Ray Ray McLeod, um, and Sharon Peak down the field, having that run game there to establish that, keep defenses honest, is going to be crucial. And it's great to see Wayne Gallman step up and emerge is really the number one option for us yeah and it's there's a lot of separation too i thought whereas whereas last year there were a bunch of guys that were mediocre maybe above average no one really set set themselves apart wayne gallman is a true number one and he's looked he's looked the part again all acc caliber for sure especially with injuries to james connor at pitt um i think at this point you'd probably put dial and cook as number one in the acc but yeah you know gallman's right there um Maybe you started to transition into the lowlights from what you saw against App State. Any areas of improvement, maybe regressions from week one that you saw? Yeah, the, well, the offensive line came back down to earth a little bit. We got a lot of push last week against Walford, to be expected. This week, not so much. And just wait till next week. We'll get into our Louisville preview just in a couple of days. I, I thought, I mean, just... Across the board, you could tell that App State was a different type of football team, different caliber of player versus Wofford. Just taller guys, much more athletic. Uh, they didn't look like FCS-level players. These guys are, I mean, they're in the Sun Belt. It's an FBS program, and they, they definitely look the part. They're not, you know, they're not Florida State over there, but at the same time, you know, they have some good athletes. Well, you they said it. Some, you said it's like facing a Wake Forest or a Syracuse. I mean, and maybe even better than both of those teams because, yeah, they were... They, they brought the house a lot. They had a lot of aggressive blitz schemes, and we did a horrible job of responding to it. Our offensive line didn't hold up very well. Um, we did okay in, pra- in pass protection, but another part, too, is we've relied so much in our offense, and we look at Auburn's offense. It's the same one. We did it with Todd's boy. We relied on our quarterback to run a lot, and we're not doing that as much anymore for, for, the, for the right reasons. We don't want Deshaun to get injured. But when you take that element away – it really, it really means that Deshaun Watson's got to make a lot of plays, and it means the offensive line's got to get a lot of push and a lot of protection. So I, I just don't think we're there yet. Luckily, going back to Gallman, we have that bright spot. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any other sort of thinness across the team that, that you saw in our App State game? Well, you, also, you saw some just missed some botched stats, which is something I think we'll correct. It go, that goes back to coaching. That's what that is. And I think it's we saw like the the punt returns against Walford. That was quickly corrected. I don't think you're going to see some bot, any botched snaps against Louisville. But those little things, I feel like that's why we couldn't get quite a, quite the same groove in the first quarter. That's why Deshaun was a little bit off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great way to get your quarterback hurt is having him do- lay out there to try to pick up a ball that you snapped over his head or came out too early he wasn't expecting it and there was you know we watched this game at our our san francisco alumni group bar pretty quiet uh when deshaun was was down for a while so i think the wind got knocked out of him i don't know if if he commented on that or if Dabo in today's press conference talked about it but again scary moment and let's let's work on those snaps right and 
Yeah, I, I, I remember thinking, for one, it was either collarbone or shoulder. And just thinking the level of disappointment I had, I'm like, wow, I'm way too invested in this Clemson football team because the life was sucked out of me just, just as well. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, you know, didn't happen. We'll knock on wood. Um, but agreed. I Hopefully that's something we can coach up, you know, this week. And I went back. I wasn't quite sure who was the culprit of some of the, the snap issues. Looked like it was an even mix of Norton and Guillermo in rewatching the, film, the game last night. Um, so, again, hopefully those guys have been um, practicing already. Yeah, and I guess Guillermo might be the guy going forward. Norton looks like he's injured. Maybe he's just a little bit rusty. Again, not worried about it. Coaching should step in, you know, kind of work that out, do a lot of reps, figure it out. And, you know, he hasn't been getting first-team reps in practice either. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of reason behind that. So, anyway, they'll figure it out. The other thing that, that I was disappointed in a little bit was the play calling. Uh, I think Quacking Tiger, maybe it was the Kraken, mentioned it on uh, STS, how there, there wasn't a lot of like rhyme or reason for anything we did schematically. And I have to think that has a little bit to do with, like Ben's alluded to it, not opening up the playbook because there was like so many blitzes going on. We did very little to try to offset that. We didn't throw it downfield a whole lot. There were some underneath routes, and we got the tight ends involved a little bit, which was great, and we're going to need that with Mike Williams out. But I think you're really, uh, this is, here's my like prediction. I think you're really going to see a lot from Jordan Leggett in the tight end game underneath routes um, in, in the deep game going into Louisville. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not that surprising to me that, a, you know, a team that if we were capable of winning a game with a very like lackluster or boring and vanilla play calling scheme, you know, why, why would we need to open that up and get into some exotic plays? Um, you know, if we don't want to do that and tip our hand, that said, it's we need to practice. We need to get we need to you know get these guys the reps basically of running those plays. So, um, I think for, well, there for a little while in the first quarter and going into the second, we had to get those guys going. We we, we were it was oh, yeah, like three zero, to nothing, zero, yeah. three to nothing exactly. So, um, I mean, for me, a turning point of the of this game, it's been said, is um, when Carlos Watkins picked that play off and took it to the house. Put us up 10 nothing. Um, there was also a um, J. Ron Curse interception that stopped one of their very promising touchdown drives. So I think those two defensive plays really um, not... I think it just set reset the tone, reset the confidence of the team. And from there, we were off and running, and we had that explosive second quarter. Um, and we didn't necessarily need to get into any more creative uh, play calling. Exactly, yeah. And not, it was... Yeah, not the- making excuses. Be great to have seen a bit more... Um, at least cohesiveness, I think you talked about. It's just not a lot of rhyme or reason. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think like they came out, they had a game plan, and they didn't alter, they didn't make any adjustments. Probably just because it's like, hey, we're going to beat these guys. Why open up the playbook? You know, why show why show our hand? And I think yeah. it was Dabba that meant, or it was an article we read just a bit. Maybe it was on Tiger, Tiger Illustrated. We know a lot more about Louisville at this point than they know about us. And that's good because a Thursday night game scares me. But... Yeah, going back, I mean, we, did, we didn't open it up, and, it, I mean, it, the defense set the tone. Like, this is a different, like, Clemson, we got so used to during the Chad Morris era where it was, I mean, it was a very short era, to be honest, but where that overlapped with the Brent Venables, where we got so used to the, the offense really making those 31 to nothing or 31 to 7, whatever you want to call them, games happen. This, like, the first, you know, 14 points of the game, more or less, had to do with the, had to do with the defense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's what we've gotten used to. That's how Alabama's been so dominant. It's, you know, field position, 
Yeah. Defense dominating, and then the offense not really, you know, just being serviceable or a little bit above average. Well, we have a definitely have an above average offense. I think we can take it at the next level. But right now, the defense has set a baseline of, hey, we have we have a defense that we can win with. The offense needs to, to get on board. Definitely. Any other sort of instant reactions coming out of App State? Um, anywhere else in, on the team? Well, yeah, one one more, and that's Mike Williams' absence. And we, we felt it to a large degree, and we felt it a lot quicker than we realized. Uh, Sharon Peak, that first interception, for one, that was not a bad pass. I mean, it, it was a bad pass, but it was just bad enough. It shouldn't have been caught. Mm-hmm. It was a great play by the defender. Mike Williams, or uh, I'm sorry, Sharon Peak, I don't know if it was an effort thing. Maybe he felt he heard footsteps. He felt a little bit insecure when he got in that. He did not. He could. Mike he did, Williams. He didn't put his arms out. He didn't extend for the ball. I think if he had, probably would have taken that hit from the safety who came down with the ball. So um, probably would have been an incompletion. We would have been on to the next play versus that turnover. But I agree. It did look like an effort thing. I also think later in the quarter, when we went, ended up going down and kicking the field goal, um, Deshaun threw sort of a deep, deep route ball to the right end, right sideline. And it looked like Sharon jumped a bit too early on that one. Yeah. Um, at the time, it looked overthrown. But going back, you take a look, and I think Peak just jumped a little too early for that one. It, yeah, almost like right through his hands. You mean that yeah. play where he was like almost leaning back in the midair, mm-hmm. and he just right through? Yeah. So those are, those are I mean, maybe that first play where he threw the inter- interception, Mike Williams may, may have even caught that. He probably would have got his hands on it. He definitely would have caught that second one. And that's yeah. just, I mean, that's just what Mike Williams is. And even though we look into Sharon Peaks and it's, this is his moment, this is his time, he simply, he is not New Hopkins. He's not Mike Williams. It's a different breed of receiver where those are guys talking about Nuke and Mike Williams that will just go up and get anything. Sharon Peaks more of like that specialty downfield guy. I mean, the two, the two touchdowns that he had were just served up on a silver platter to him. And, you know, nothing against Sharon, just he's not going to be that possession guy. That's why we need Trevion Thompson and Deion Kane to come in. And we need to, they need to be getting reps. I'm surprised they didn't get more reps. Yeah, I didn't see too much of them, maybe one to two targets even the whole game. So I, that's probably what you meant as well by some of the play calling and the questionable kind of utility or utilization of our offensive weapons, especially when we need to come in and establish you know, depth or a pecking order at a wide receiver, see what we've got. Exactly, and I think you will see the tight ends be the more like part of the solution that will fill the void for Mike Williams. And I really think you're going to see them come out, come out and play a much bigger role in the Louisville game. Mm-hmm. And we, we need them to, quite frankly, with Mike Williams gone. We will get into our Louisville uh, preview. I think we're going to record that this coming Tuesday. Um, but again, mentioned at the top, we're 2-0. and um, Things are good. Maybe now we can shift to what have we learned, basically, in the first couple weeks of the year? I think there are, there are a number of our suspicions from our preview episode that have been confirmed. Um, just in play on the field the first couple weeks. We can touch on a couple of those. I'm a little more interested in, you know, let's say you're traveling out of the country or living under a rock the first couple weeks of the year, and you you woke up and you look at this Clemson team now, like what's new, what have we learned? I'm a little more interested in investigating some of that stuff. But, you know, in terms of what what we knew was going to happen and has come true, Deshaun Watson, just his play as, as the leader of this team, he's looked very cerebral as the quarterback. Um, he did a bit of scrambling against App State that fortunately he was able to elude tacklers and you know avoid any type of big hit. Um, but he's just really, really been his true self and been hit, played up to his abilities so far. Uh, I think in Wofford, we didn't have very many highlight reel type plays, but definitely had a couple of amazing passes to peak um, and a very good one to Artavis Scott, all three for touchdowns. 
uh, yesterday. Yeah, he looks he looks tr- he looked tremendous. He had moments. I think the App, App State game proved that he can be human too. Whereas like there were points last year we thought we thought he was unbel- like maybe superhuman. Yeah, he definitely has his warts too, and I think mo- most of it was just getting into like a rhythm yesterday. But yeah, with with I mean enough six foot three athletic guys that run you know four sixes or, or lower running at you. Yeah, you you tend you know you'll get out of rhythm too. So it comes back to protection. But yeah, I definitely agree. Deshaun Watson is in a couple of plays. It just proves that he can be special, and and, and I'm interested to see when the when the margin of error tightens as we will play some of these higher profile teams. I think I only expect his game to go up, but we'll yeah. we'll see. We'll have several tests to, to see if that proves true. I mean, and Clemson didn't have too much to play for last year against South Carolina, except for pride. I would call that a pressure moment, and we knew, we know what happened in that game. Playing on a torn ACL, took care of business, dominant play. So, you know, hope, hopefully that rears its head again. Um, but again, you know, going into the season, we knew the O line was going to have take some time to get its footing. We've seen we've seen some messy snaps. We've seen some inconsistent run protection with the interior of that line. Um, and just overall, they're still gelling. We, we turned over 80% of that line. So hopefully we'll be able to you know, continue to build on that as we play Louisville in these next couple of weeks. But that's still going to be a question mark. And um, maybe the last thing we knew coming in, special teams, Quacking Tiger, he put it, it's, it's going to be an adventure this year. And it pretty much has been. I think we've corrected punt return issues with at least looking at the App State game, but um, punting, kicking, and definitely kick coverage, kickoff coverage, punt coverage, are two areas that the Tigers and the coaching staff definitely need to correct coming in, coming through the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we've already seen kickoff coverage. When you can't kick it through the end zone, a team like App State can run it back on you. Just wait. It, it doesn't get any better. So, again, we, got, we need to see improvement there. We did, at least on punt return, kickoff return, we look a little bit better. Um, on from the offensive side, so um, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we don't want to spend ever spend too much time on special teams. Our whole job here is to not spend time there, and you know, as a reflection of the fact that nothing of uh, significance happens. Yep. Really, for me though, the things that we've learned are things that we didn't really expect to have happen. You talked about the defense and the the dominance of the front seven. Um, yes, we've been playing FCS and Sun Belt opponents, but. Got to give praise to Venables for what we've seen from, out of that group, and we've obviously touched on that already. Yeah, you said like if we were in a in a coma, and you know we missed the first two weeks, but we you know we saw we knew the season season preview, we read all the the, the magazines and everything. Like yeah, you're exactly right. We w- the defense has been a lot better. We think they are definitely top twenty five, maybe top fifteen. Who knows? Maybe top ten. But they're there. There's a consistency there. And the, the caliber competition is a little bit less than, you know, we don't have a great measuring stick, but we, we can see it. There's some things you can just see and you know yeah. you can replicate it against larger competition. And what, what was great to see yesterday was rattling their quarterback. He threw three interceptions, three drives in a row. Um, and everyone said, oh, he's a coach's son. You know, he's going to come in and be composed and he can really pick you apart. He's not going to make those mistakes. I think we can put that theory to rest basically, but at the same time, it's great to see that team start to cause turnovers and see what that disruption of a pass rush does, you know, in, in causing causing the turnovers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, they they kind of took his will a little bit, and good news, you know, we're, we'll do our Louisville, uh, you know, pregame uh, on Tuesday, but I, I think the same thing can happen against them, and you know, and Notre Dame coming up, we've got a true freshman 
next up on our schedule after that. So um, anyway, all good things coming out of the D-line. Something we didn't really expect to have to be dealing with was shuffling of the depth chart and pecking order, both at running back and then at wide receiver. So Mike Williams has gone down as our number one um, with the neck injury. We hope you know he's going to make a full recovery. I hope he doesn't. I hope he stops riding around on that like hover hoverboard uh, Segway type thing that I heard he was uh, tooling around campus on. Stay healthy, Mike, please. But um, you know we've talked about it a bit. Sharon Peaks seems to be stepping up, but we'd like to see Trevion Thompson and Deion Kane get involved more in the offense. Yeah, and I still you know don't know. Obviously, Deion Kane's a true freshman. Uh, Trevion Thompson is a redshirt freshman. First time we've had a chance to really see these guys in action. And I don't know what they bring to the table. And there's, again, there's a different type of receiver when you compare guys like Mike Williams and Sean Peak. And I want to see if these guys have that kind of, hey, I'm going to catch anything, throw them my way. If they have that DNA, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so far, I, I, don't, I don't have a large enough sample size to know anything about, about those guys. I saw Deion Kay make a great move and make a guy miss. I, I knew he could do that. But I want to see when, when you know the game's on the line, when the ball's in you know in a tight window, if he's going to go up and get it, if he's going to win that. Yep. So we'll we'll see how that that turns out. Um, let me let me actually mention one thing that I'm I'm worried about. In addition to the running back situation, is the quarterback situation. Nick Schuessler is not I don't want to say Division One caliber. We I'll say we can't win with him. Mm-hmm. We Quacking Tiger said we're a 500 team if he's in there, and I. I don't know if that's completely true because we still do play in the ACC, but I'll say we're definitely not a... We're a 2014-type team, ceiling-wise, with him. And that's with the number one offense in the country. Yep. Or, the, or back then, the number one defense. In the right. Country. I'm yeah. sorry. Number one yeah. defense. Exactly. No, that makes sense. And you're exactly right. Because he's he, he's like a injured version of Cole Stout. And I hate to say that. And I, I, don't wanna, I want him to build his confidence, but... At no point did he inspire any confidence yesterday. Like, he just... It showed me nothing. And, and Kelly Bryant, definitely not ready, but he does one thing really well. He, he runs the football. I hope his concussion, that injury, we'll see the injury report probably tomorrow. Hope he's okay. He's very much that, that, um, that option type, uh, read option type quarterback that you know, Nick Marshall was at Auburn. And we saw that. And, and they didn't really have a passing game and when they went to the national championship and faced FSU a couple of years ago. You can win with that. It, it's a it's a very powerful asset in an offense in an up tempo offense like this. So mm-hmm. that's something we have at our disposal. We, he needs to be in there, and he can figure out passing. He can figure out the other things that you need to learn along the way. But he needs to overtake Nick Schusler. And I think that's that's why we play these two games. That's why we had. I mean, I even consider this to be like our preseason. It's why we fortunately had a lead and didn't have a situation like Louisville and Auburn where you're behind against an opponent that you have to keep your starters in there to get the win. We got these guys reps, and we can talk about the, the running back core here. We spread the ball around in the first two weeks. I think now I'm looking for the coaching staff to see what they saw, make their determination of what that basically new depth chart needs to look like, both with backup quarterbacks and then after Wayne Gallman on the running back depth chart. C.J. Davidson appears to have been the number two running back. Um, I don't know that I've seen anything that would justify keeping him there over the likes of Zach Brooks, who we lost all last year. He was going to be the man to actually start last year. He's looked very good, very competent so far. Um, and then Tyshawn Dye, he's looked very good as well. So I'd almost like to see those guys above C.J. Davidson and eventually here, if Kelly Bryant's healthy enough, overtake Nick Schusler as the backup. 
Yeah, I completely agree on the running back. Uh, talking about C.J. Davidson, he. I don't know. I don't know why the staff has put him at number two on the depth chart, especially after Zach Brooks, who was, um, you know, our starter a couple of years ago. Or I'm sorry, number two guy a couple of years ago, and now he's fallen to three or four. Tyshawn Dye has just as much upside as anyone. I, I want to get these guys reps. They're physical. I, you know, nothing against C.J. Davidson. I think he's good in, in, in you know certain instances, but I think these guys are more reliable and get, add a nice complement, more of a power back feature, you know, to Wayne Gallman. So. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see that. Well, you know, you talked about the depth chart lining out or filling out. I think you're going to see probably Zach Brooks is the number two guy with with Tyshawn Die as uh, number three on the on on the uh, running back depth chart, and then the quarterback depth chart. I, I we'll see about the injury. I hope I hope Nick Schuessler doesn't have to come in there against Louisville or any other team. From our running back core overall, and you can include Gallman in this. Who do you see as being a capable pass catcher and either a third third and short being able to get us that or um, if Deshaun doesn't have any options downfield, having kind of that safety valve outlet, who gives us that best opportunity? It's Zach, this Zach Brooks, absolutely. He's he really he could almost he could be a Division One wide receiver. I think he's that good. However, you know we don't, we just don't have that need right now for right. a you know you know above average Seat's wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we're wide receiver you. So, but yeah, I think I think he would be that guy, and, and that's a good point because as as pass protection. As you know, these aggressive blitzes um, that we've seen, they're going to start coming. You know, teams are going to start throwing the house at us. It'll be interesting how we offset that, and it could be through a, a running back that can that can catch, and it could be Zach Brooks. And I mean, that was such an important aspect of C.J. Spiller's game and Andre Ellington giving our quarterbacks that that outlet and making defenses account for them as well. Yeah, important. So well, we'll it, see. it's important. You know, different offense. What's probably most important is pass protection uh, from a from a running back, and Zach Brooks also gives us probably that best option too. So, I think yeah, he is our should be our solid number two guy from this point on. So if you had to sum it all up, I mean, again, you know, we did play. You can call them. Let's call them cupcakes. They basically have been cupcakes so far, based on the type of challenge they've they've presented for us. Cupcakes aside. How do you feel coming in? What's your tweet length summary of our preseason as you, as you will as we head into Louisville? I think we've earned our number twelve ranking. Sorry, we're number nine now. I'm, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, actually, I think we've earned our number nine ranking. So let's yeah make a little modification to that. Um, yeah, so you know, we'll keep it tweet length. We've earned that number nine ranking. Defense is better than we thought offense has some work to do but we have the right pieces to do it so still completely still completely uh, you know still think we can be a playoff team at this point so coming off of that you think we've earned our number nine ranking does that impact your end of season outlook do you think judging that also in light of what we've learned from our, our top opponents on our schedule do you think the playoffs any more likely from maybe when we did our season preview that's a great, yeah. And you and I, we've been watching some college football, you know, all around the the nation. So I'm actually, aside from Alabama and really, and really Ohio State, I haven't been too impressed by anyone. I think there's a lot of teams. They might get that number three or four ranking, but there's not a lot of separation between that number three team and the number fifteen team. So yeah, I think it's. And now we've seen Notre Dame leagues that years out. That should be a. A, a definite win it should be we're at home florida state i don't think they've proven that they're much better than they were last year they're probably worse with Everett goldson 
Georgia Tech has looked good. You and I, you know, we've both talked about Georgia Tech. They look good, but they haven't really faced you know much of anyone, and we match up well. We're at home. Yeah, I mean, I think for for me, looking ahead at making the playoff qualifying, we won't talk about what it's going to take to win a game or two games there. But for any ACC school, Clemson included, for us to get into that, it's not going to happen with one win. You have to run the table. You have to win all your games. Um, unless just disaster happens, every other team loses too. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So, one loss. You said one win. You meant one I'm loss. I'm sorry. One loss. You, yeah. You know what I meant. Um, so that being said, I mean, do I think, yes, I, I, I do believe with the improved play or the exceeding expectation play of our defense and what's happened to some of our opponents and what we've seen from them and how they look, Florida State might not be the, the world beaters uh, that we thought they might be. Um, Louisville doesn't make and it's gonna be a tough place to play on Thursday but maybe not as daunting as we thought before week one Georgia Tech certainly they look like a formidable opponent and there's a bunch of other teams on our schedule that'll look pretty strong like BC has destroyed their their two teams so far on their schedule so I do though believe like we might have a, a clearer path to winning all of our games not a slam dunk by any means we got to just execute but you know it's definitely feasible yeah, it's not, I mean, it's a scenario almost where it's like we could, you don't want to say sneak into a playoff, because you never necessarily sneak into going undefeated, but there's actually an example last year of Florida State kind of sneaking into a playoff against a really just a pretty bad schedule, and they also had that FSU across their chest too, which helps, but we're in a position I mean, I, now. Yeah, I think Clemson's got the brand caliber that if we are undefeated, we're going to get in, Yeah, based you, on that fact. We will have won our league, we will have had... You know, at least a South Carolina opponent in everyone's favorite conference, um, including and Notre Dame. I mean, two pretty pretty strong, solid out of conference teams on our schedule. So, I think the resume will be there if we win all our games. Again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves with that, but um, maybe for now, to wrap up for this week, we can take a look around the country and talk about what happened. I mean, anytime you're thinking about trying to make that playoff, we were the number twelve team coming into the weekend. You're taking a look ahead, like who's going to need to drop for us to move up. And fortunately for us, um, maybe not through losses all of the time, but um, teams ahead of us hit some stumbling blocks this week, uh, including our, our friends over in the SEC. So the one that we were maybe most excited about watching was the Auburn game. They just snuck past Jacksonville State in overtime. They needed to take it to OT. Basically needed some luck down the stretch to tie the game up, let alone to push to OT. Crazy. Number six Auburn needing to be kind of their not even their little brother in the state of Alabama, like, you know, their third cousin, more or less. So um, <laughs> Auburn definitely took a tumble in the polls. Um, these teams weren't right next to us, Tennessee and Arkansas, but they are in the SEC. You can imagine if they kept winning games, they would have jumped Clemson at some point. So um, both of those teams lost Arkansas to an unranked uh, Mac school, Toledo. Um, it wasn't at home. It was in Little Rock, kind of a quote-unquote neutral site game even though it was down the street from Fayetteville. But um, after all the talk from Brett Bielema about Ohio State's schedule, they couldn't even handle Toledo. That was pretty telling. Um, and then Tennessee, <laughs> you know, strong team, certainly. They've got a lot of young talent. Um, they blew a 17-point lead at home against uh, Oklahoma in overtime as well. So just from, and then of course, Oregon, Oregon um, lost a close one to Michigan State. They tumbled past Clemson enabling us to move up so i i think you know across the board nationally we definitely had the ability to move up i think you said it best outside of the top two to three teams in the country 
there really is like a tight cluster of teams and um, we're going to see a lot of crazy weeks coming up where there's going to be a lot of shuffling. Hopefully we're the team that can continue to take care of its business on its schedule, you know, not look ahead too much. Yeah, I totally agree. And it'll be interesting how the percept, not just the SEC, because we live in a college football world where it's, it's about perception too, whether you like it or not. So that's why I always root for my AC, our ACC counterparts. I root for Florida State, Notre Dame, which I include in the ACC. I root for Georgia Tech. Um, but you saw Auburn and Arkansas more or less. I mean, Auburn won, but and rightfully they actually went down in the polls. I was surprised to see that. But that I think yeah, they're not. They barely beat Louisville. Louisville turns around and loses loses to Houston. To Houston. Anyway, a lot of transitive property stuff going on. So yep. we're having to balance that out, but. I'm just interested to see the, how the perception of the ACC will be impacted, if at all, because you know that is that's the ESPN's bread and butter at this point. But but Auburn's not. Yeah, I can't can't con- uh, consider them a you know playoff caliber team right now. Same with obviously Arkansas and Tennessee, who weren't necessarily playoff caliber teams, but you know top twenty five teams. They're gone. How how you know? And then South Carolina loses to Kentucky. I feel like there maybe the the, the the balance of power shifted a little bit. Maybe there is a little bit more uh, parity across the landscape of college football. Yeah, and you've seen a lot of prominent Big Ten teams lose to unranked FCS or non-major Power Five um, conference conference teams. Same with the Pac-12. So all across the board, I mean, it's getting a little little dicey to be scheduling a lot of these you know cupcake games. Uh, which is good. I mean, that we, we live for that kind of thing. It's kind of like the why everybody loves the NCAA basketball tournament. You live for that upset. So it's nice to see, but I agree. There's not necessarily this haves and have-nots with the SEC that after week one, having 10 ranked teams in the top 25, um, you would have thought there is. So um, I, maybe to I want to kind of be devil's advocate on your point about the ACC. Like Certainly, perception's a good thing, but for us... All that, it, all that it does is help us with the rankings and be able to get into the playoff. But with one loss, we wouldn't be able to get in anyway. So I'm just saying, like, let's just focus on our schedule, win all of our games, and that's it. Then it doesn't really matter who we've beaten or what their rankings it's, are and, and everything else. It's a very like, binary way of looking at it. Yeah. It's one or the other. And, and with one loss against, we'll say, a stacked ACC, meaning... Georgia Tech starts beating the crap out of everyone. Florida State gets their shit together. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame, you know, with their backup quarterback, gets their stuff together, and all of a sudden we beat all of them. Yeah. But we have one loss, and it's two at Miami. Then we're out of the playoff. But it, let's say these teams completely crap the bed from here on out. Yep. And we're able to beat them handily. We we march right into a playoff. So you're right. It perception means very little, and you know, just under the the circumstances that have been laid. Yeah, and that in front of us, and that takes on paper. I think it's the right one, but. I know it, it sucks to be part of a conference that's maybe a laughing stock of the country in college football. And certainly for our listeners that are in the South, you're surrounded by the SEC. You're surrounded by squawking Gamecock fans that, you know, talk about how great their conference is. You know, it's tough. It's tough to live like that. But if our goal is to win a national championship, all that matters is winning our games. It kind of doesn't matter how our conference does. At this point, under these circumstances, yes, I'll agree. And that's a good point. Um, so maybe to maybe close out this thought and wrap up the recap, um, there are a couple of games and events that took place. I mean, we've touched on it a bit. Um, Notre Dame starting quarterback and really leader of that offense, Malik Zaire, went down in the third quarter. Um, was it an Achilles tendon or a broken ankle? Ankle. 
Yeah. He has a, a broken ankle. Out for the season. Um, out for the season, which, you know, definitely derails a bit of their national title hopes. Unless uh, true freshman um, quarterback can come in and... We'll call him team. John Smith. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first couple drives when he took over, they basically sputtered their offense. You could tell, like, the look on the faces of the coaching staff and the players on the sideline, even their defense lost a step, lost some intensity and some confidence, and that enabled Virginia to come back down and take the lead. Um, fortunately, I think that... that backup quarterback um you know realized who he played for and who he was playing against and they came down and, and came back and won that game on a crazy good pass so he's got the talent they've got the skill players still i mean i think they've they've suffered much worse luck than even we have at injuries um, they also had their um starting running back go down in week one lost him for the year so they've got you know some some good quality players to back these guys up but Maybe Notre Dame isn't the number nine team or number ten team in the country anymore, or the number eight team. I think they are right now in the coaches' poll. Um, when we're going to face them, it might not be as tough an opponent, or they could be. I mean, I think we need to prepare for them as if you know they're going to be a very difficult team to play. And, and fortunately, it isn't Death Valley coming up. But um, anyway, feel for Malik Zaire for Clemson. You know, we're still going to have a very tough opponent there, but this could be. Could bode well for us. Yeah, and you're right. There, you saw some sputtering. I think you'll continue to see that from Notre Dame. They they, they blew Texas out the water, but I don't. I, I think you're going to see a different team going forward. It's a team that we should beat. We probably should have beat them with with Malik Zaire. I think we should still beat them now. And then Florida State, talking about sputtering, like they're definitely you know they're not a powerhouse. They're not the number ten team in the nation. I don't know what they're ranked now, but they're not. Well, Clemson is better than they than than Florida State, and they should prove that on the field, playing in Death Valley. We have a very favorable schedule, even against Georgia Tech, who I think I can I think I feel like now at least we know we think Georgia Tech at, at least at this point is the best team that we're going to face, and they may be the best team in the ACC at this point. They I mean, might be. They also have played cupcakes. They've blown them out. They put up tons of points. We knew that's possible out of a Paul Johnson offense. Um, that's going to be a battle again. Super fortunate that's in the Valley. We know how to play them. We we played a Wofford team that runs a similar style of offense, and our defense seemed to handle that just fine. So, um, anyway, you know, I think from the first three weeks, maybe our opponents that we saw as you know these big bad teams might not be as great as we once thought. I think Georgia Tech is, and that's going to be our most challenging game. But again, Florida State's got two months till we face them. And they could get it figured out. Every Golston could get comfortable in that offense, but um, they haven't really turned the ball over. Even though they've had some, you know, trouble getting going early. Dalvin Cook looks incredible. Um, so Florida State's going to be going to be a challenge for us. Let's hope they can continue to maintain a good ranking and a good, you know, keep the hype up. But again, it's at home, mm -hmm. and home the, that big bad game at the end of the year in Columbia. Doesn't look so daunting. If it, I don't know if it ever looked daunting, but it definitely, uh, it's definitely a winnable game to say the least. Absolutely. Uh, well, that is all for today. Thank you, everybody. Uh, great to see the Tigers get that second win against App State. Um, any closing thoughts about this or first couple weeks? Just that I'm, I'm just as excited as I as I was coming in. The inverse is true in terms of offense versus defense, or the opposite is true, whatever you want to call it. But we're going to get better on offense, and I'm anxious to see when we open up the playbook, as Ben would say, and get the tight ends involved, 
have a little bit more dynamic passing game. I hope I hope we'll see a different element, which can take us to the next level. But definitely a playoff team. Just got to beat Louisville. That's right. And um, you know they're zero and two. They lost a couple of really tough, heartbreaking games down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're going to be like a herd animal, you know, coming out looking for. They got to get that win. Bobby Petrino is going to be facing all kinds of criticism if they can't beat us at home as well. Whereas we've had three games to prepare for them already. They haven't. They haven't even been able to look ahead. So that's right. So two games for us plus you know the whole off season. So. I feel like you know we should be prepared. We are the superior team. Let's let's do a good preview episode on Tuesday. Let's dig into the particulars here. But I'm um, looking forward to that one. It's great to get the national exposure. Also, it's going to be good from a recruiting standpoint. It's going to be good for from a national clout standpoint. People to learn about Deshaun Watson a bit more and some of our playmakers. Yeah, Clemson's in a good spot. We'll say that. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, feel free to. Uh, give us a tweet or follow us on Twitter, uh, like our Facebook page, and or subscribe to the podcast if, you not, if you've not yet done that. Um, links to all this stuff are available on ClemsonPodcast.com. And we thank you for your time and go Tigers.